How many of us remember last Sunday's message? Don't look at your notes. <laughs> Spiritual blindness. Three kinds of blindness. Complete blindness. Partial blindness. Night blindness. Color blindness. Yes. Very often, we are blind. Let's find out if we are blind or not. Today is a testing. We found, we, we learned that there are different kinds of blindness. But how do we know if there is some blindness? You have to go to an optometrist. You have to go to an ophthalmologist. I hope I'm pronouncing these words right. You have to test yourself. Probably there are some symptoms and one of the symptoms is probably uh, the vision is a little blurred. Probably things that are at a distance, you're not able to read the signboards at a distance. Or probably you're not able to read uh, a newspaper or the Bible at close distance. You see, I know a little bit about eye problems. Because of some reason, there is probably a difficulty in the vision. Or probably there is a night blindness, color blindness. Probably everything looks black and white. Everything looks gray. And very often, uh, there can be different uh, things that can be showing up. But there can be some symptoms. We may not realize that actually we are blind or moving towards blindness. Or we are having a blurred vision. We may not be able to recognize them. But probably, there are some symptoms that are showing up. As I said, maybe the difficulty to read at a distance or things that are close by. Maybe there are times where uh, uh, it is very, it's really blurred. You really don't know the person who's walking in front of you is a man or a woman. Probably you don't know whether it's, um, uh, it's a single light or a double light that's coming in the front. A single light maybe looks double sometimes. So these are some symptoms or probably there's headache, severe acute headache. The moment you start reading, probably your eyes start watering. Any other symptoms? You know, probably there's dizziness, probably uh, there is pain in the eye region. Whatever it might be, there may be different symptoms. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the symptoms and... Uh, it's interesting that Jesus himself took the time to actually put a test and he ran a, a test through some of his churches and he generated a report. Those of you who work, uh, <laughs> you know, in corporate companies, you know that they take you through certain uh, levels of uh, test, probably uh, even now, before you go through a, into a promotion, maybe you go to a time of testing. There are probably interviews that are kept. Probably there are, uh, you know, tests that are conducted. Probably there is an appraisal. There's a uh, evaluation of your whole um, performance in the whole year. And then there's a report generated whether you are doing good, you're faring well, or probably you're not faring so well. 
or the areas where you're doing well, areas you're not doing so well. And Jesus ran through a test on churches and generated a report which John records in the book of Revelation. And a sample of about seven churches which basically in the province of Asia Minor region which is a representation of the churches at large. There have been many, many churches that have been planted by this time when John was actually receiving this revelation and writing, the, writing it down probably around 95, 96 AD. And it has almost been about 30, 40 years since these churches have been planted. Around 50s or 60, early 60 AD was the time when all of these churches were planted by the apostolic team that was going about evangelizing different places and uh, establishing churches and these people who were uh, collected together as God's people were entrusted to reliable men who were able to teach others. They were shepherded by uh, elders, a team of elders in each of these churches. And so almost it is probably now a generation that has passed or it is the end of the first generation Christians, 30, 40 years. Probably the person who was 40, who got saved around 50, 55, 60 AD is probably now in his 80s, age-wise. And so his children would be middle-aged by now. So they would be the second generation of believers in the church. If you got saved probably in your 30s or your 40s, just imagine 40 years later, if we need to be analyzing revisiting the last 40 years and seeing where we are, how we are doing right now. And I think it's important that we do this at this time so that we identify where are the blind spots. We heard about the blind spots, isn't it? And there could be probably some blind spots this morning that we, don't, we do not realize and I pray that the Holy Spirit will just help us in the light of God's word to see our blind, blind spots, to identify our blind spots. At the same time, to celebrate the good things that God has done, the good things that have happened in our lives and through our lives, the great things that we have accomplished and the way that we have come thus far, maybe those are things that we need to celebrate. And also, I think this is a great time that we are thinking about this because we are coming closer to the end of a year. Another 40 days, we will be closing in on this year and moving into another new year. And there's always a time of um, looking back. When you think about the accounting year of, uh, you know, an, uh, an accounting year, begin, uh, beginning with March 31st, and end, uh, sorry, beginning with April 1st and ending with March 31st. Most of the offices will slow down on their businesses by Feb end or March, by March 15th. And the last 10, 15 days will be focused very much on closing the accounts on looking back and making sure that everything is settled well and that they are ready to move into the new year. And by that time, they are thinking about budgets. They're looking at what they did in the last half year or last one year or the last uh, three months and then projecting into uh, how we can fare well in the next uh, financial year. So there's always a time of looking back, examining and seeing where it's been good, looking at what are the areas which, had to be, which need to be strengthened and then preparing for the next phase or the next season, the next accounting year. These are things that are done regularly 
in every enterprise in every institution in any company in any organization it is then they will be able to survive it is then they will be able to thrive and do well it is then they will be able to identify uh, where they are missing out or identify their own blind spots and so i think for our own lives and for us together as a church is necessary for us to go through this assessment this morning and if you remember oh, some of you remembered last sunday's message let me test and see if you have good memories if you remember last year somewhere towards the end of december it gave us a sheet called as a self assessment evaluation sheet with several points and maybe some of you have it sacredly in your bible if you do so god bless you and we had several areas identified several areas and we marked off in the scale of 1 to 10 and called for us personally to evaluate our own selves probably for us some of us it's a matter of you know a blessing of forgetfulness <laughs> but let's recollect something that we did last year and i hope that you did it well and if you have that somewhere look for it search for it and if you find it and if you marked for yourself and evaluated yourself take it out and see if there has been any progress in this year in those areas probably in some areas you said it's 6 in a scale of 1 to 10 some areas you said it is 3 some probably you would, it was 9 or 10 have they changed have those things shifted see if you can find it and see if you can look for a way of comparing how things are going now it would be good actually if we have maintain a record of evaluating our own lives personally year after year and compare them in a span of 3 years or 5 years you see that's how institutions and and companies and corporations make rapid growth because they are very intentional and they are very strategic in the way they are looking at themselves and how they do business they're looking at how they are generating incomes how they are spreading how they have made progress i think it's important that we also should do such an evaluation on our own selves and for us together as a church together as a ministry together and jesus is talking about seven different churches in chapters 2 and 3 is writing to the church at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. These are seven different churches and each church is different. And God is not expecting uniformity in each of these churches and that's why you find well Paul the apostle was writing the the epistles and John and Peter were writing their epistles to the churches they were not standardizing things. they were not creating norms in the sense of how each worship service must be conducted how they should meet where they should meet what time they should meet how the uh, administrative structure should function they they were not standardizing things each church had its own expression each church had its own way of doing things and i think there is a lot of freedom that the lord has given and so that's why we also need to be careful that we are not too quick to criticize some of the methods of worship or forms of worship 
because there's a freedom there's no set prescription of this is how a service this is how a church must be conducted but there are principles there are essential non negotiable teachings of christian life and christian worship that must be held on to firmly but the point here is that we need to understand that each of these churches are different and their particular situations are different their contexts are different the backgrounds they came from is different the kind of challenges that they are facing in their neighborhood or in that region is different the persecutions are different some places you know probably they had some strong leadership for example in the church at ephesus uh, paul himself was there to lead and write to them and then sent timothy and then you find towards the latter uh, times uh, of the time of apostle john it is said that even john was with the church at ephesus some of the historical writings say so and so uh, some of them had solid strong leadership some of them probably didn't have such kind of extraordinary personnel but whatever be it the lord jesus is looking at all of these churches and he is evaluating them he is basically generating a progress report so if jesus is here this morning and he is looking at us and the end of this year if he is going to generate a progress report about us collectively what would that progress report look like if you're in school you're in college whatever be or level even up to a doctoral level you still go through a process of evaluation and seeing how you are faring how you're doing you might be a singer you might be an athlete you might be or in any kind of uh, area where you are functioning you always go through a a phase where you are tested where you are checked where your performance is evaluated there's a report there's a feedback that is given there's a marking that is done upon our lives and our uh, the way we uh, you know function and jesus is giving such an um, a progress report but the one thing that he repeatedly says to each of these churches is this which you and i need to get really well the one thing that he repeatedly nails again and again is he who has a ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches in verse 7 you see that in 11 you see that in 17 you see that in 29 you see that in chapter 3 and verse 6 you see that in verse 13 you see that in verse 22 he see you see that in all these two chapters in writing to these seven churches to each of these churches the one thing that jesus is saying again and again is he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches and the spirit of god is speaking to the churches the spirit of god is stirring up the church the spirit of god is constantly dealing with the churches he's concerned about the churches he is working with the churches the spirit of god is never absent from his church because jesus is in this one big task of building his church against which the gates of hell will not prevail for which he has sent down the holy spirit to be with us to help in the building 
of his church he has called you and i to assist him in setting apart a people for himself all through eternity until jesus comes back again for he for which he has given us the empowerment of the holy spirit and the one big task that the godhead is involved in is setting apart a people for himself where he will be their master he will be their lord where he will uh, rule and reign in the hearts and lives of people where they will you know begin to live by his teaching so that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of god and of his christ for which jesus is going to come back again and the holy spirit has been sent among us to progress the gospel and you see right in acts chapter 1 and verse 8 you read about that the holy spirit was sent that they would go out and be witnesses in jerusalem judea and samaria to the ends of the earth and you see the very uh, way that the gospel progressed was in the first eight chapters it was jerusalem and then from then on to judea samaria region and then from then on it moves away into more and more of gentile regions beginning from chapter 11 in chapter 13 onwards it really takes off to a wide region moving up to rome which is the power center of the ancient then known world moving to the ends of the earth and the gospel continues to progress for which the holy spirit has been given the holy spirit is constantly you know helping and shaping and turning people's lives and 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 drawing them to jesus and taking the words of jesus and making them known to his people it's one of the work of the holy spirit and the holy spirit is constantly speaking constantly reminding and constantly stirring up people and constantly calling people to serve him so that the church of jesus will be built up so that when jesus comes he will find a radiant and a glorious church which will be which will be without spot blemish or wrinkle and so the holy spirit is speaking and who has a ear he who has a ear may he listen to what the holy spirit is speaking not just for something for me personally and but for us collectively together the spirit of god is stirring us into a certain direction and when he's stirring us into a certain direction he's calling us into a certain action he's calling us into certain areas that he wants us to focus on we need to do it together hallelujah amen because the spirit is dealing with churches he who has a ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches and the spirit is saying something to the churches this holy spirit is not a silent spirit the holy spirit will speak and anyone who hears has a ear to listen and hear he will be able to hear what the spirit is saying when it talks about the spirit being ready to receive what the holy spirit is saying i find there are three things that are that comprise of hearing the voice of the holy spirit one is a ear of willingness to listen to pay careful attention he who has a ear let him hear what the holy spirit is saying to the churches a willingness a, a, a willingness to listen to pay careful attention you know we can be just listening in the sense of hearing things we hear a lot of noises on the outside while you're sitting at home probably you hear the sound of people talking in other homes you hear the sound of people talking outside on the street you hear a lot of noises but you're not listening to them right 
maybe you are also hearing a lot of noise inside the house you're hearing but probably not listening and so the this hearing is the aspect of giving a listening ear to what the spirit of god is saying paying careful attention and having a heart of sensitivity secondly a heart of sensitivity he who has a ear let him hear what the spirit are you hearing have you heard some people acknowledge in a conversation with others and they would say i hear you it means that they're hearing something more deeper than what they're speaking at the surface level they can sense the heart they can sense the intention a heart of sensitivity they are able to be sensitive realizing the gravity of the situation what is he saying what is the depth of what they're talking about so when we talk about he who has a ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches it is not a passive hearing but a sensitivity to the holy spirit realizing the gravity of the situation or the depth of what he's conveying that this is something important this is something that is of great importance that we need to be sensitive to receive and thirdly a mind to act upon it he who has a ear let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches means to draw us into action a mind to act upon it repent and do things differently and because in seven out of the out of the seven churches there are up to five of them the lord jesus is calling for repentance among the seven he's calling for the five to repent now remember these are not unbelievers he's not calling them to salvation they are churches they are believers but he's calling them to repentance in some areas and so it is a calling for a mind to act on what the spirit is saying repent and do things differently it's about a year of willingness to listen to give a listening ear willingness to listen pay attention heart of sensitivity realizing the gravity of the situation and a mind to act upon it to apply the mind is not just to listen and go away oh saying it's a good sermon jesus was not preaching a good sermon to the seven churches we all love to hear good sermons and we hear sermon after sermon and we enjoy listening to messages how many of you do so amen i hope you do at least for some people it's more an entertainment because they don't do go to movies they listen to messages but here this these preach this revelation that was given about the seven churches was not meant to entertain them was not to give them a good sermon was not to you know cheer them up on a sunday morning but it was generating a progress report about them how they are faring what are the areas that are they are doing well what are the areas they are not doing well and so let's quickly in the next few minutes look at the seven churches and look at what's going well and what's not going so well and we'll broadly categorize them so that that will just help us to reflect on our own lives are you ready for it amen hallelujah with ephesus we don't have time to read all the verses and all the passages but i'm just going to highlight the verses ephesus the first church that he's talking about he's talking about you forsaken the first love beginning from verse 2 up to verse 7 is the passage but we're not going to read the whole thing 
but we're going to focus on verses 4 and 5. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You see, he's specifically calling them to listen. He's calling them to have a heart of sensitivity and apply their mind and repent and take action upon it and so this morning these are the three things that i want us to really you know have in mind have a listening ear pay careful attention to what the lord is saying what the word of god is saying do not sleep and if you are asleep go wash your face and come back a willing here to listen a heart of sensitivity sensitivity to realize the gravity of the situation and a mind to act upon it and the first thing that he's saying to the church at Ephesus here while he's acknowledging their, their good deeds he's acknowledging them he's appreciating them applauding them at the same time he's calling them to an attention about one thing and he says you've forsaken your first love first love and he says in verse 5, remember the height from which you have fallen, the, f- the falling away from the first love or losing the, f- the intensity of love that we had for the Lord, which we had at once, once upon a time when we got saved probably, when we got baptized, so probably we received the Holy Spirit. At some time in our life, probably there was a great love for God. And we did pray, we did read his word, and we loved him so much. And maybe that intensity of love has grown cold. That we really don't spend time with him. And for anything you love, anyone whom you love, you will invest time and energy and effort into that relationship. Have you seen people who fall in love? You go to a park or you go anywhere around, you will see them, you know, sitting down and probably not even talking much. But they'll just be sitting down looking at each other. Because they simply love one another. And for some of you probably it's giving you memories of your ages past. I hope such kind of love still remains in your marriage. But that love which was just expressed even without words. But they just enjoyed the presence of one another. They just love to be together. They just love to hear each other's voice. And probably it was several... um, Decades ago, probably they waited for the postcards to arrive. And when they wrote and said, I have a stomachache and probably I have fever. And by the time the postcard reached, probably they got well. And by the time the return, you know, um, reply came saying, get well soon. They already got well and probably fell sick another time. The second round already happened probably. So whatever it is, their means of communication probably was different, but the heart and the desire, the passion was there. There was so much love, there was so much thoughts about the other person. That is true love. Maybe we've forgotten Jesus. Have we forgotten Jesus? Or do we forget Jesus Monday to Saturday? And probably remind ourselves about Jesus or get reminded about Jesus only on a Sunday morning. And even while we are here on a Sunday morning, probably we are checking emails and replying to WhatsApp messages. Because the boss at work is, you know, asking for something. 
probably even while we're sitting here probably our thoughts are on work or in business or at some situation or probably for some of you did i switch off the gas at home this morning was it still on was the geezer switched off what do we give our thoughts to the point is you know are we still pursuing jesus so passionately like we did at first the first love and the and he says you have forsaken your first love remember the height from which you have fallen losing out on our first love for jesus will cause us to fall but loving jesus will take us to great heights hallelujah praise the lord everything rises or falls based on your relationship with jesus you can tweet it if you want to everything in your life will rise and fall depending on your relationship with jesus if your love relationship with jesus is very cold and if you're turning a cold shoulder to jesus everything will begin to fall apart your other relationships will fall apart your work will start to fall apart your business will start to fall apart your money will start to fall apart your relationships with others everything will start to fall apart your family will fall apart but if you're seeking the lord if you're loving jesus things will get built up hallelujah you will move up higher forsaken the first love and with pergamum come down to verses 14 and 15 you see we skipped a church in between there smyrna you know why we skip smyrna because he's not saying anything bad about smyrna they are getting a a plus they are getting an a plus but with pergamum he comes down to verses 14 and 15 and he says nevertheless i have a few things against you you have people bear who hold to the teaching of balam who taught balak to entice israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality we always thought that balam was only called to pronounce a curse and he just didn't do that he couldn't do that he is not a prophet of the lord but the spirit of the lord came upon him to accomplish his purpose and to bless israel to restrict him from cursing israel but he what he had done he had enticed balak to entice the people of israel to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality likewise you also have those who hold to the teaching of the nicolaitans there are a couple of views here where some people say that this nicolaitans are a sect or a cult group which strayed away into a false teaching which actually was from nicole who is one of the seven ordained to take care of the food serving in acts chapter 6 well the mutton pieces went too much to the greek hebrew speaking uh, widows and less to the greek speaking widows in the biryani serving yeah because basically a little more was given to some and little less to others and so the dispute happened and then seven who were full of the holy spirit was entrusted with this responsibility of taking care of such things and it is said that one of them was actually strayed away into a false teaching and a cult group that evolved out of that is called as the nicolaitans there's one world view like that another people say that that's not the issue probably it's another cult group itself 
but whatever be it there obviously nicolaitans were practicing something that was not biblically right that much we know from scriptures directly and basically what they had done is that straight away pergamum the church at pergamum the believers had gone off into offering sacrifice you know uh, eating food offered to sacrifice uh, sacrifice to idols and they had gone into sexual immorality and they'd gone after the teaching of the nicolaitans but the appreciation that the lord gives to the church at ephesus is this you have identified the false teachers and you have not followed the teaching of the nicolaitans obviously it was a very popular sect or a cult group that was that had spread and they had been coming to invade into the churches a false teaching but they have strongly identified who are those wicked men if you read in chapter 2 and verse number 2 i know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance i know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false verse 6 but you have this in your favor you hate the practices of the nicolaitans which i also hate so obviously there are some teaching and some practices of the nicolaitans which god hated which the church at ephesus did a good job at hating those things but the church at pergamum followed them they compromised and then come down to the church at theatria in verse number 20 to 23 we're looking at all of these things we're looking at the areas where the lord is um you know calling them to repentance to verses 20 to 23 nevertheless i have this against you you see first he starts off with an appreciation and then he says i have this against you this is a pattern you see how jesus speaks to the churches i have this against you you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food offered to idols same problem so i will cast her on a bed of suffering and i will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways i will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that i am he who searches the hearts and minds and i will repay each of you according to your deeds so this is really serious business because he is taking people to task he is dealing with people he is going to bring punishment if they don't repent he's giving them very clear stern warnings and remember with the words of jesus in the word of god these are words can, which cannot be you know pushed this way and that way we cannot you know somehow manage god you know in we as indians we are very famous for managing things somehow this way that way you know there's a phrase in bangalore uh, uh, you know sorry in, in canada it goes that goes like this solpa just madi entry solpa just madi guru you know they will say that and make their way with everybody some you know slightly just adjust you know no no we, no adjustments is very clear it's black and white here when he says i hate this he says i call attention to this he says you know i hate you know i um, have this against you he's having something against those people and so we can't do solpa just muddy with god and so he's very clear and he says i have this against you you tolerate this woman jezebel and probably and she's influencing my servants he says probably she was in a position of leadership 
in the church probably this was a woman a real woman and probably a prophet is also a false prophet prophesying with a false spirit and seducing people into immorality and she is an adulterous person and teaching others or probably this is a typology of the Jezebel of second kings of Ahab's Jezebel but that Jezebel was not into immorality and, and so these are possibilities but whatever it is there are certain things that are going on the issue is this whether it was single woman or is a type of a phenomena that is happening which God is referring to as Jezebel as a spirit of Jezebel it sometimes could be in that sense as well but very clearly it's more seem to be pointing to a woman who is enticing people into sin and you've tolerated this woman the church has tolerated instead of dealing with sin instead of dealing with adulterous spirits instead of dealing with immoral relationships it has been entertained it has been allowed and such people are also teaching i have this against you you tolerate this woman by her teaching she misleads my servants and probably there were some other men other leaders in the church who were misled and she was exercising authority over the leadership of the church and sometimes there can be some people like that probably they are big donors big sponsors did the building project gave the land and so you can't say anything you get what i'm saying maybe they were locked up in some situation like that and it's difficult to deal with sin with when it's when it's sin in high places it's difficult because it has many repercussions when you confront somebody of very very uh, high importance it's difficult and probably the church could not deal with it probably they could not challenge her probably they could not throw her out of the fellowship you see apostle paul is very clearly calling for that immoral man to be kept out of the fellowship until he repents in first corinthians and so maybe they couldn't deal with it quickly come down to sardis in chapter 3 and verse 1 to the angel of the church in sardis write these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of god and the seven stars i know your deeds you have a reputation of being alive but you are dead this is again a heart issue this is a relationship issue like the church at ephesus who had fallen away from the first love you have a reputation of being alive but you actually are dead is it true is it so with us we need to examine our own selves am i just having a reputation of spiritual life as if i'm being alive are we just speaking in some tongues without the real holy spirit in us are we just making it up are we just lifting hands because we just want to you know impress others are we just singing those songs because we know the songs are we just you know looking at the bible because oh it's a must that we just have to read it or are we actually really vibrant is there love relationship with god really alive 
Is it vibrant? Is it dynamic? Is it growing? I think we need to look at our own selves. You have a reputation of being alive but dead actually. And then come down to Philadelphia. Again an A plus church. Nothing bad to say about them. Nothing against them. Nothing he hates about them. They are good. Laodicea. Lukewarm. In verse 15 to 18. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Probably this was an English service. I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Most English churches would be able to boast of that. I am rich. I, have, I lack nothing. I do not need a thing. Materially, money-wise, most people don't need a thing. It's already there. It's coming regularly. There's a good secure job. There's good incomes. There are good you know, properties, blessings, houses. Possessions, wealth, bank balances, lockers. Already set in place for next three generations. So we really don't need a thing. Even with the interest from the FD is just coming, we can manage it for the next couple of generations. I don't need a thing. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. You see, word of God is black and white. No mincing of words. I counsel you, verse 18, to buy from me gold refined in the fire, not from GRT. So you can become rich and white clothes to wear, not from Madrasha. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve it to put on your eyes so you can see. He's calling people into holiness, purity, get refined. Get pure gold. Because there's lukewarmness. Because there's a false sense of satisfaction. I'm rich. I don't need a thing. Everything is going well for me. And we can come and testify. You know, according to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, the Lord has blessed me. The Lord's word says, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And so God has added all these things to us. Including men servants and maid servants, pussy cats and doggies. God has added everything to us. We lack no blessing. God has kept us in a very good way. Praise the Lord for that. But there is there some blind spot. That's why we talked about blind spot. I lack no good thing. Very satisfied, very happy. No specific needs at all. Any prayer needs? Some people say, uh, I don't think, there's no real prayer need as such for many people. Your whole family is saved, you're all good, doing well, everybody's a good believer, everybody's coming to church, everybody's 
uh, doing a good work and everybody's earning well and everybody's life is settled children are married everything is fine what next waiting to go home that's all i don't need a thing looking putting all of these together i just broadly categorize these things into four categories one thing is how we cast away that relationship we looked at five different churches and i'm broadly categorizing them as four cast away the relationship have we compromised in terms of our personal life sexual immorality compromise with things of the devil compromised with the truth compromised with false teachings compromised with things that are not biblically right having known the truth having accepted the truth having believed the truth knowing what the truth is have we gone back to practice things that are not the truth have we rejected the truth compromised or compromised with sin thirdly there's a counterfeit a false prophet that is there is there other things that are you know counterfeit there's a there's a reputation of being alive but actually dead are we just putting on a show are we putting on a mask of spirituality is it just counterfeit are we really spiritual are we really prayerful are we really seeking the lord are we really giving time for the lord are we really giving priority for the gathering of god's people or is it just putting on a show of just go show my head just act as if i'm praying as if i'm singing as if i'm spiritual or is it just a counterfeit is it just a show of spirituality number 4 is it complacency lukewarmness complacency i'm satisfied i have everything i really don't sense the need for god is it complacency have you become lukewarm I think these are probably some blind spots that we need to find if they are there in our lives take a moment to examine yourself have we cast away your first love for the lord have we compromised in some area either with the teaching of god's word and not held on to the pure teaching of scriptures and gone into false teachings and practices that are not biblically right have we practiced that or have we compromised and gone into sin are we having a counterfeit show counterfeit currency post like we are alive but we actually dead on the inside or are we complacent oh i'm satisfied everything is going smoothly everything is going well for me lukewarmness neither hot nor cold you do pray every day you do read the bible but there's no real passion you're really not on fire for god you're really not serving the lord you're really not you know pursuing the things of god but just settled complacent maybe that urgency and the passion that was once there is not there anymore the involvement in the ministry and serving the lord and sharing the gospel with people all of that has become cold now maybe become complacent have we cast away the relationship have we compromised on the teaching and with sin have we are we living a counterfeit life a false show of godliness or are we complacent these are probably some blind spots he who has a ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches
I'm not giving some hidden mystery from the Bible. I'm just plainly taking what is there and just explaining it. And I want to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction into our hearts and our lives if there are blind spots in any area. Amen. Hallelujah. And then quickly, the appreciation. So you can start smiling from now. The areas that you can be appreciated about. And the seven churches were appreciated also. Remember the Lord is very careful to do justice. He's not calling out only what he hates. He's not calling out only where they need to repent. But all of these things call for repentance. All of the four areas that we talked about are calling for repentance. And the one word that is repeated to all the five churches is repent. Repent, repentance is not just confession. Very often we stop, we assume repentance is just confession. But repentance is confessing, yes, it begins there, but it is also taking a U-turn. It's a complete turnaround to another way. It's taking a U-turn. You're heading in a certain direction, but you take a complete U-turn. You don't want to go in this direction anymore, but you want to go in the direction of the teaching of scriptures beginning with all the seven churches with Ephesus first he says in verse number two I know your deeds your hard work your perseverance I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them wanting you hate the teaching of the Nicolaitans and the practices you hate which I also hate he's very much appreciating them the one thing that you see here is where they are very careful with their lives they are persevering their hard work they're guarding themselves from false teachings and false practices if you've done that, God bless you. And if we've done that together, we've done that well, praise the Lord. If you've worked hard, if you've persevered, Smyrna, come down, verses 9 and 10. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. I will give you the crown of life. We sang that, isn't it? I will go even through the valley with him. All the way. All the way. That's, a, that's what God is calling us to. Go all the way. Don't turn back. Even if you have poverty. Even if you are tested. Even if you are falsely accused. Even if you are thrown into prison. And even if you are to be martyred. That's why he says about who he is. Verse eight, uh, verse 8, he says, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died but yet came back to life again. Even the way God is described to each of these churches and the way God introduces himself to each of these churches is very different based on what they need or how their circumstances are or what will happen to them. He says, I'm the first and the last. I died but I rose again. I came back to life again, which in turn he's saying, what he's essentially saying is, hey, you guys will suffer. You will be falsely accused. You will be thrown into prison. You will be martyred. But yet, even if you die, I, like me, the one who died, but yet came back to life again, you will also come back to life again and receive the crown of life. And so don't worry about being persecuted. You see how beautifully the Lord is speaking to each of these churches. 
I wish we had more time to go in depth and study each of these churches. And you will find so much so wonderful that will really stir up our hearts into a good life. And so the point is maybe you, some of you have gone through affliction, persecution. Maybe you, there have been opposition for the, for the, uh, because of the gospel, because you accepted Christ, because you stood for the truth. Maybe the people opposed you. Maybe you've done well in the face of affliction. God bless you for that. Maybe you've t- hated false teachings, false practices that are not biblically right. God bless you for that. If you've been like the people of Ephesus, look at the people of Pergamum in chapter 2 and verse 13. I know where you live. Oh, this is a hard place. Where Satan has his throne, maybe it's a place like Chennai. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. This is a place where Satan lives. Throne of Satan. A place of high demonic activity. The place where there is so much of hatred to the gospel. is so much of oppression of the evil one. That's why no wonder you see those people have been enticed to sexual immorality and to eating food offered to idols. The result of the demonic activity. And so they are living in a hard place, but he says, yet you remain true to my name. You live among a people where you can come under severe demonic attack and influence, but probably if you still continue to remain true to his name, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's move on to Theatura. Verses 20, 24, verses 20 and then verses 24 and 25. Nevertheless, I have this again. Uh, sorry. It's not verse 20. It's verse 19. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance that you are now doing more than you did at first. Oh, these were some churches who were also battling with some other problems, but yet there are certain things that they were doing well. Good deeds, love and faith and service to the people and perseverance. And you're now doing more than you did at first. They're doing better than before. But yet there are some areas that have to be set right. But there's some that are really good. Good service, good deeds, faith, persevered. Maybe there was opposition, but continue to persevere in the faith. They are loving people, good people. You see, all of these churches don't have all bad, wicked people. There are some who are good. Predominantly they are good, but there are some areas where they need to repent and change. They are doing better than before. Verse 25 Uh, Verse 24 and 25. Now I say to the rest of you in Theatra, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. There are some people who got enticed by this Jezebel woman. But there are some people who did not give in. To, To others he's saying, you identified, you learned the deep secrets of Satan. And you guarded yourself well. You're doing good. Hold on to what you have. And then to Sardis, in chapter 3 and verse 4, 
yet you have a few people in sardis who have not soiled their clothes they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy they have not soiled their clothes they have not allowed sin to affect them they are not you know having just putting on a show of godliness they are not just you know giving a show of being alive but actually are dead which was the issue at sardis but these are people who are alive they have not soiled their clothes they have not allowed sin to corrupt them they are few who are holy and with philadelphia in verse 8 to 10 i know your deeds see i have placed before you an open door that no one sh- can shut i know that you have little strength yet you have kept my word and not denied my name yes he has kept an open door for them because in their little strength they have continued to persevere and they have not denied the name of the lord and he says was 9 i will make those who are of the synagogue of satan who claim to be jews though they are not but are liars i will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that i have loved you since you have kept my command to endure patiently i will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth so god is appreciating them very much in saying they've held on very patiently they've endured hardship because they have not allowed the synagogue of satan to come and affect them they are appreciated in their little strength they have still persevered they have obeyed they have held on in the only church that has received no appreciation is the church at laodicea what a sad thing for this church no appreciation at all from the beginning till the end the lord is only saying repent you're lukewarm you have a sense of being rich but you are actually blind and pitiful and wretched and naked and he says those i love i rebuke the only good thing that you find there is that the lord still loves them the lord still loves them those whom i love i rebuke in discipline verse 19 so be earnest and repent i stand at the door and knock if you open the door i will come and they've pushed god out of the door we normally use this verse for giving an altar call to call non christians to come to follow christ behold i stand at the door and knock if any man will open the door he will come in he's talking to churches to believers because they've shut the door on jesus they become lukewarm but he's calling them to open their doors so that he will come in so one of the some of the big highlights that we see in the areas that they're doing well is the perseverance repeatedly perseverance they've endured patiently endured hardship guarded from false teachings and practices false practices they are good in their service they're doing well they're extending love to the people of god they're serving their good deeds they're doing better than before some of them are holy and they've endured much persecution and affliction and trials these are things that we need to appreciate amen hallelujah some of you are holy some of you are doing better maybe as a whole church we are doing better than before maybe we have guarded ourselves from false teachings and practices maybe we are persevering in the face of much trials and opposition and spiritual battles maybe you are still pushing we are still persevering praise the lord maybe there have been persecutions for some of you not for us as a whole church but for some of you but you've endured persecution and you've not denied his name hallelujah 
I think these are things we need to thank God for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us to persevere. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be guarding ourselves from false teachings and false practices. Thank you for helping us to do good deeds, serve others, show love. Have we done that? Hallelujah. We've done that, isn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. Probably we're doing better than before. Amen. Maybe some of us are growing in holiness. Praise the Lord for that. And Maybe some of you endured persecution and you've stood for the name of the Lord Jesus and you've not denied his name. Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But if there are some blind spots where we, need to, uh, where we have identified this morning and if we need to repent, we need to repent. Hallelujah. Maybe we've cast away our first relationship, our first love for the Lord. Maybe we have allowed, you know, us to compromise with false teachings and false practices that are not biblically right and compromise with sin, sexual immorality or any other kind of sin. Or maybe if we have putting on a show of godliness and having a counterfeit spirituality, a false religiosity, but really are dead on the inside and we are not really alive, but showing as if we are alive. alive. Maybe we need to repent and complacency. Out of these four, three are matters of our relationship with the Lord. Out of the four, three are about the matters of our relationship with the Lord. We're casting out the first love, casting away the first love. The counterfeit, putting on a show of having life but actually dead on the inside. And the last one is complacency, which is also a matter of our relationship with the Lord. Lukewarm. If we need to repent, let's repent. The things that we need to celebrate and thank God for, let's do that. We need to do both. Hallelujah. We need to do both. We need to celebrate those things that we're doing well. And let's press on and do more. And do better. Hallelujah. Maybe in this next one month, we have 40 days before we close this year. This next one month, this 40 days, why don't we take time and think over our own lives because if we don't repent the word of God is so clear talking about Jezebel he says I will come and I will strike her down I'll put her in the bed of suffering it is not God's will that we should suffer he does not have pleasure in making us to suffer but he says if you don't repent you're going to go through more suffering and I will also cause others who did sin along with her to suffer. So it is not God's will that we should suffer. But even before suffering comes, let's repent. Hallelujah. If we are seeing blind spots in our lives, think of your family right now. Take a moment. I wish we would have at least another hour to spend some time together and actually do some deep reflection and thinking. So that he who has a ear will hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Because what the Spirit is saying to the churches is something that is real, something that is in black and white, something that cannot be, you know, we can't be adjusting with. He wants us to hear, give a listening ear. 
pay attention careful attention he wants us to take it to our hearts and realize and with a sensitive spirit respond with careful thought in our minds to take deliberate action and do things differently it's not just about confession this morning i'm not calling us to confess any sin right now but i'm calling us to repentance the word of god is calling us to repentance which is change change of heart change of mind change of action if we are continuing to harden our hearts it is not good for us and so thanking god for what is going well at the same time let's also reflect and repent on those looking at those blind spots that the word of god has bring brought to light this morning and as the spirit of god is speaking to you prompting you in your heart maybe he will prompt you while you drive back home probably he will prompt you when you read his word probably he will prompt you he will convict you while you lie down and rest whenever the holy spirit would do that in whatever occasions and times the spirit of god will bring conviction to us let's respond let's be quick to respond like david did david was quick to respond when nathan the prophet confronted him david responded quickly immediately went into fasting and prayer put on sackcloth and ashes and repented of his sin of adultery and murder God took away the child but yet the Lord restored David once again and gave him Solomon one of the greatest of the kings of Israel hallelujah and so God is a gracious God but it's important that we look at our own lives really well it's a good time to reflect before we go into the another year in this next 40 days may we really focus go back even if you need to spend the next 10 days just reading these two chapters keep that as your morning devotions do it it's fine to read the same passage again and again amen hallelujah and if there can be significant change and at the end of the year i want every one of us to testify and say i am experiencing a significant change in my life hallelujah i am making rapid progress what did not happen to me in the last 11 months has started happening in the last month of the year amen hallelujah and will we step into another new year that we will go into another year into fullness of life that christ has for us and not be held back by anything that the lord may hold against us in any way amen hallelujah why should we be held back why should we be hindered why should we lose blessing why should we stop ourselves from making good progress in our life why should we not see the increase that we need to see in our lives why should we not see the growth that we want to see in our lives well the lord is able to do that Amen. He who has a ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches.